Hey Cones, thanks for joining me for episode 136. Today we have a very special guest as we continue to search for different types of vacations and adventures that kind of act as a band-aid to get us by until we can cruise again. We dive into the RV world today with an absolute legend of that game, Traveling Robert. Robert has a huge presence on YouTube and really gives us some insight as to what the RV life is like. I discovered him a few months ago, and I've been trying to get him on the show ever since. We'll also talk about Genting Cruises, some other news, your email, and what would his show be today if we didn't discuss the CDC and what the prognosis currently looks like as we all try to get back to sea. Let's start the show. Yo, all aboard and welcome, it's about to be on Grab a couple of cones, cause we about to be gone To the Caribbean, seven days and eight nights Got the crew coming heavy, but we all packing light Yeah, we always be booked, we got our drinks in the sky From New York City to the USBI Is that a full margarita, man? Finish it up Cause we about to run the beer like Forrest Gump Finding pockets on the Lido, she ain't gotta be a tent Cause we did the things, and we'll do them again Tonight's the white party, but we blacking it out Cause we got the drink pack and we're maxing it out Everybody come on I said sound that horn Cause we gotta get away To where the boat leaves from All aboard and welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Always Be Booked Cruisecast show coming to you not quite live from the Cape Compound for now down in Boca Raton, Florida. How is everybody doing today? Uh, again, we got week two. Looks like we're on schedule here. Uh, who knows, man? The hell is freezing over if I am actually coming up with two shows on the day that I said they'd be out on time. Pretty good, right? We're going to keep that trend going. Don't you worry, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So what are we getting into this week? Hope everybody had a great week. This is still a very strange world to try to navigate through. I think we're, you know, they, they use the word the new normal, and I fully reject that term as well, but it's just kind of feeling like that's what it's, I don't want it. I, I, I refuse to give in. This is not normal, okay? So I'm hoping that we're still going to be able to uh, recoup some resemblance of what life was like. And I, I do know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. So hopefully that happens. So we just never, we've, this is uncharted waters, folks. And we're getting through it together. We're going through it together. The only thing I like to say to everybody on the Patreon all the time is, you know what? Don't think for a second, you know, as bad as it gets, as as down as you get. Let this be your solace. A, this is not your fault. You did not do this. You did not create this. And B, we're right there with you. Every single person I know has good days and they have bad days. So hang in there. Uh, We talked about where I'm going. I am out of here as of now. Again, I'm still here. So you never know what the universe or what type of curveballs can be thrown at you. So I say that with hesitancy. But yeah, the plan is that I am out of here in a couple of weeks, headed to my hometown. I haven't had a Long Island address since the previous century. And uh, that's all going to change going down to a little town called Hewlett in Long Island, if anybody's familiar with that and what's going to happen there. Yeah, I'm going to be running a uh, new bar and restaurant that's going to be, that's under construction right now, uh, affiliated with the previous company that I had worked for for a long time. But uh, I'm pumped. And yes, uh, by the way, I am going to be giving 
I guess, what would you say? Uh, daily updates on how that's going once I get down there. So right now, I just with a little bit of housekeeping purposes, we have a Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash always be booked. If you'd like an extra show a day, or if you'd like to support this show in any way, it's $5 a month, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash always be booked. And uh, that would, you know, you sign up for that and you're a super cone. Like I've said, it's a whole metamorphosis. Once you sign up and once you, you know, agree to the $5 a month for the extra show, you you, you metamorphosize into super conehood. There's a feeling that comes over you. And it's nothing that I can really describe. It's just a change. And, uh, you know, anytime you do that, we will welcome you to the family. Check us out there if you are so inclined. Also, we have a Facebook group, the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge on Facebook. That's our community. That's our main source of communication and interaction. And if you wouldn't mind, I could always use some new emails. If you have a question, a comment, concern, a correction, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. I read pretty much all of them, so definitely hit me up there. And uh, All right, so what else is going on? And Okay, so I only say that. I started saying that because I am going to give updates on the Patreon, so I will do the extra show a day, but then also once I get going on location and I'm at the restaurant and bar, what I'll do is, and you guys, it'll be actually be kind of cool. You know, again, today is a perfect example of what I'm going to say right now. Cruising is at a pause. We cannot cruise right now. So hopefully you guys will understand when I do take these slight left turns into areas that don't have much or little to do with cruising and we kind of do other stuff. But on the Patreon, not this show, the Patreon, uh, I will continue to do the extra show a day, which will have nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. I will also, once I get on the ground, give you kind of like uh, videos daily videos of the progress. You know what I mean? You're going to be able to see how a restaurant and bar is open start to finish. You know what I mean? So I will be getting there a good month before the place will open and just I will be running the place as general manager. So you'll be able to see a breakdown of all the things that happen, whether it's communicating with vendors, whether it's staffing, whether it's construction, whether it's uh, administration, anything that has to go into the opening of a bar and restaurant, what I'm thinking is maybe a 10 to 15 minute video every single day kind of thrown together, recapping that whole process. So if that's something you're into, check us out, patreon.com slash always be booked. So speaking of uh, curveball and left turns from cruising vacations, you guys might remember that I did go to Key West a couple of weeks ago. It was not quite the trip I envisioned, although it is always great uh, great to hang out with my brothers, JP and Joe. Uh, we had a great time. It was cool to catch up, but you know, we just kind of walked around a little bit. It was a little strange, and then we ended up back in the hotel room, had some other friends come over, um, and we had a nice time, had a bunch of drinks, and we ended up having a little hotel uh, little hotel party. That's all that happened. And then we woke up the next day, got something to eat, and then got out of Dodge. That was it. You know what I mean? So this weekend, the lovely and talented and vivacious Beatrix has uh, decided, and this is what I love about her, she just and uh, she just goes. She's like, oh, well, if I'm going to Key West. Do you want to come? Come. Here's, here's where the hotel is. I'm leaving this time. You're in the car. You're coming. If you're not in the car, you're not coming. And the beauty of it also is that, you know, whenever I've traveled with Beatrix, there's never, it's almost like traveling solo, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in an awesome way in that she's going to do what she wants to do. 
and I can do what I want to do. We can join each other on things that we want to take care of or, or, or kind of experience, or we can literally just go off on our own and there's no like pressure one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? So this time she is motivated to go and she doesn't like Key West that much, which I think is crazy. Like Key West, I'll be honest with you, the first time I went to Key West, I didn't like it as much as just the same. I was also, I was like, it's a little bit of a, I don't know, it's a little shanty. There wasn't much going on, but that was a good maybe 15 or so years ago. When I went back fairly recently, when was the last time I went back? Oh, when I went back on a solo trip, I rented a car, and that's the best way, guys. Understand about Key West. If you're ever in Florida and you want to do a vacation within a vacation, or you live in Florida and you want to do a stay sort of staycation or a local vacation, please understand that part of a Key West vacation is getting there and back. Driving over those overseas highways and driving through those little keys and seeing, you know, getting a feel for, you know, what, what, you know, the pulse of those towns. Cause you can't, you know, it's only a 90 mile trip from once you get to the keys, which is, I believe you land in Key Largo over that bridge. It's only like 90 miles. So, you know, on highway, you'd be able to kind of pull that off in just a little over an hour if you're, you know, driving like the lovely Miss Kay. Uh, but, you have to go a little slow because there are lights and it is just a one road. So you get a feel for the towns and then you see it's like an over and over process. You see towns, you see vegetation, and then you see water. And then all of, all of, all you do it all over again with the next key, Marathon, uh, you know, Key Largo, Isla Morada. You, you just go past them all and you kind of get a feel for them until you get all, go over that seven-mile bridge, which is gorgeous, and then you're in Key West. So what I did was I got a convertible. And I did it right, and it was. Uh, I just rented a convertible a couple years ago. It was awesome. And when I had returned to Key West, I was very pleasantly surprised with, I think, the direction that the town had gone. And it was built up what much more than I had remembered it previously, uh, unless I just wasn't paying attention back then, which is entirely possible. Uh, so I, I owe you also on the way, there's a bunch of breweries. So if you want to check out some local beer, you could do that. Not that I recommend drinking and driving at all, but I'm saying if you have a driver or if you want to have like a half a beer with your sandwich or whatever, it's a good option. You know what I'm saying? So Beatrix, although does not love Key West, she got wind of this uh, dry Tortugas place. It always sounded familiar to me. I had never been there. I'd never heard of it. It's very, very remote. She's taking a seaplane. If you listen to this show, you know damn well my ass is not getting into one of those damn things. So I will, if I do meet her there. So let's let's break it down. The Key West trip with Beatrix is at 90% right now. Okay. So that's that. If the if we do survive the 90% and I go to Key West with Beatrix, then I got to make a decision on the dry tortugas. All right, let's talk into the nuts because and bolts that, of the show. As picturesque as it is and as nice as it seems, I don't know. I may have Beatrix just take me some pictures and <laughs> call it a day cuz I'm I'm taking you got to take a ferry there. I'm not getting on a damn seaplane, guys. Call call me what you want. I'm not doing it. But uh, the, the ferry is three hours. It does seem like a nice ride, but I think that's probably six hours of stuff you could do in Key West that uh, might be, I don't know, better better time served than sitting on a ferry. But we'll see. I would put that percent, I put that right at 50 right now. Am I, will, I, will I do the dry tortugas and meet Beatrix there? That's at 50-50. So that's a quick little trip, Sunday early to Monday evening, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
All right, in just a few minutes, we're going to get over to our interview with Traveling Robert. But before we do that, I want to discuss the topic that is just unfortunately at the forefront of what we are kind of discussing every day as lovers of cruising, cruise fans, that type of thing. The CDC and CLIA. Now, I've said it before, I'll continue to say it, that I do not buy that this is a self-imposed shutdown by CLIA. CLIA is going with the narrative that, you know, we're, we're deciding to shut this whole thing. You know, if you're not if you're not paying attention or following along, CLIA is the body that is basically the conglomerate that brings all the cruise lines together and represents their interests. So, you know, this is a position play. CLIA knows that the CDC are not going to let them sail yet, but... I think through whatever negotiations have been going on, these two organizations are agreeing that this is what the message should be. Now, again, this is my opinion. I don't know this, but this is just how I see it. Because it does make sense if you break it down. You know, you let the cruise lines get credit for you know, being diligent. Listen, we want to we wanna make sure the right thing is happening here. We want to make sure that we're not jumping the gun. So that's a good message for them to portray as far as to the rest of the world. And the CDC gets to, I guess, alleviate itself from getting any of the blame, like they're not dropping the hammer. When the reality is there, they are. They're kind of basically saying, listen, nobody's going anywhere. And really, look around. Nothing, Nothing's going anywhere. No cruises are happening yet in this country or to the Caribbean. I don't know what's going on, but I can't find any proof that's, that serious talks are even taking place. You know what I mean? Have you guys heard? I looked. You know what I mean? Usually you'd say, okay, well, the CDC met today. No, no, no details have been confirmed, but the CDC and CLIA got together today to what we think is to discuss the resumption and the return to service of cruising, but we haven't heard this whatsoever. Uh, not right now as we speak. The earliest any cruising could happen is on November 1st. And remember, the CDC put out a questionnaire. Do you remember this questionnaire? For you. That's right. You. You're supposed to solve this whole thing. Now, again, my conspiratorial, if that's a word, mind, tells me that this questionnaire was simply a way for them to show us on paper how complicated these issues are and what the concerns were and all the things that they would have to consider before they're going to resume operations. Now, I'm not mad at that. That's kind of smart. I get that move. It's very strategic and it's effective. But again, it's not going to keep me from really seeing what's going on here. You know what I mean? You get that. Are they really going to listen to the suggestions, I mean, you like you could only imagine what they're getting back. And I'm just wondering how many people did they bring on board to help read these things? Because I heard there was around somewhere around three thousand that were submitted on paper. Because that was the only option too. You couldn't email it. You actually had to print it out. You had to write in the answers or maybe type in the answers, and then you had to snail mail it back. <laughs> I don't know. So my point is, is that the CDC reaches out to you to find out what they're supposed to do about this whole situation. And the, I guess the, the submissions for you to respond, they're not even due until September 26th. Okay. So why would they think that they were going to be able to get them on September 26th and then be able to kind of have them all read, all reacted upon, and then put in place by November 1st? 
I don't know. After researching this thing a little bit more, I see that I am not the only one who found this questionnaire to be ridiculous. There's many, uh, I guess, members of the media or experts that are out there putting blogs together saying, are you really serious? Like, I am a, sir, I'm a guy who likes to take cruises, not a doctor. I am a travel agent, not a scientist. And you're asking me? what you should do about these very, very intricate details. The CDC really only addressed one issue in total, and that was regarding testing. And they kind of botched that a little bit too. They first said that everyone who cruises in the beginning is going to have to test and produce a negative result. And then it seemed like he got a bunch of pressure, whether it was political or public or whatever. And then he turned it around. He changed it to everyone showing symptoms or everyone who has been in close contact with someone who had COVID-19 should be tested. Now, what I've said all along and I continue to say is that the numbers are going to be the biggest determining factor. What numbers? To me, it's about new cases, hospitalizations, and ultimately deaths. The death numbers seem to be getting a little bit better. And they're saying that's happening because of the fact that, you know, more, there's more information out there and more people who think they might be at risk are continuing to isolate and heavily quarantine while the people who you do see out there kind of gallivanting and and carousing are more of the people who typically, not always, but typically aren't at as much risk. So that's one thing. And they're finding, you know, different types of ways to treat it. There is no cure. Be very careful to say that. There's no cure. But treatments, the more they learn about this, they're, able, they're finding themselves able to keep people alive a little bit better with this disease. Well, it still represents a huge threat. Uh, but that's what's going to happen. You know, when these numbers go down, that's what's really going to show. And that's why that's why they're sailing in Europe. That's why they're cruising in Europe and Asia, because the numbers have gone down to a very manageable level. Uh, also, we have absolutely zero reason to believe that we have made any progress towards this. You have everybody guessing. You have a lot of people out there guessing, and that's fine. There's no problem guessing. But until we see some data, I'm talking about hard information and evidence of progress of what we think the protocols might be that are put in place, it's really all just guesswork. Okay, so anybody who thinks they know or anybody who tells you that they know, I need to hear something. If you tell me that there's even if you just give me some light at the end of the tunnel. okay, the CDC and CLIA got together. They they discussed the following five points of, you know, protocols that are going to have to take place if cruising is to resume at that point. I think we can even begin guessing when this is going to happen. But until that happens, no, I don't. That's just my opinion. Um and, and keep in mind, that's for a partial resumption. That's for a partial return to service. We haven't even gotten to a full resumption right now. We haven't heard anything from port, the ports of call, right? See, I know everybody's saying it travels opening back up in the Virgin Islands, travels opening back up in in in, in uh, Aruba, Jamaica, everybody's uh, Bahamas, everybody's welcoming back tourists. But until Anybody hears anybody, I've, this hasn't happened. No island down there in the Caribbean, at least, has said, hey, listen, here's the deal. We're good. Come on back, cruisers. We're ready for you. Nobody has said that. Not one of those islands has said that they are ready to welcome back cruisers. 
You know, it's cool for them. Right now, they're kind of being protected because you know that that's a decision that they're going to have to make. But right now, the pressure is off of them. You know what I mean? Clear, CDC, whoever. They're saying we cannot go at this point. Now, once that is loosened up and once progress is made in that department, now each port is going to have a decision to make. See, Grand Cayman isn't messing around. They're saying don't don't come near us till at least next year. You know what I mean? And honestly, they're pro- the rest of them, they're probably all thinking the same thing. They're just not coming out and saying it. You know what I mean? You know, so once... CDC and CLIA gets their act together, starts establishing protocols. Then they say cruising is okay. Then these islands are going to have a decision to make. And then once they even allow cruising to begin again and resume again, they are going to have their list of policies and protocols. So this is a long way off. Not to say that, you know, we can't get some information tomorrow that shifts the whole momentum. But guys... Let's be honest. Right now, nobody knows anything, and we are still currently, as we sit right now today, a long way off. All right, let's switch gears. I'm really excited to bring you this next guest because I discovered him like probably a couple of months ago, and just looking for an escape and checking out YouTube, and you know, he popped up, and then I looked into his whole thing, and there is just an endless amount of knowledge, an endless amount of entertainment. If you really want, and the best way I could describe it is just a window, a window to the beauty of this country. There is a route for everywhere, any major destination, uh, you know, that you'd want to kind of drive to or drive through or anything, even flight, just destinations as a whole. He covers the entire country. He's also done other, you know, outside of the country projects, but he mainly focuses on driving his RV through these beautiful United States of America. And without further ado, I would like to introduce the legendary Traveling Robert. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Always be booked cruise podcast, making a little bit of a left turn today. We have a very, very special guest with us today. Now, hang on a second, because I don't mind. I don't mind saying that I'm going to maybe fanboy out a little bit on this, because I think what we're all in a situation like we're all kind of in this quarantine. Some of us are working, some of us aren't. Some of our some of us are being able to take a lot of the vacations we want. Some of us can't. I found myself cooped up and kind of just looking around, seeing what else is out there and searching the YouTubes and things like that. And uh, I always kind of want, I I did a cross-country drive at one point, but I wanted to see a little bit more of what it could be if you got it, got your hooks into it a little bit more. And then somehow I found this guy traveling Robert and he was going out west. Like I said, I'm not afraid to fanboy out here. It's been a gift. And I want to welcome him to the show right now, ladies and gentlemen, traveling Robert. Robert, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Okay, so what I wanted to ask first, I know mm-hmm. you're probably talking about your she's probably sick of talking about your whole origin story, but I did I guess maybe want to maybe give him a little bit of a quick background if you if you don't mind of how you got started and and who you are and where you're from and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, my, of course, uh, my name is Robert. I, I was born in, in the island of Cuba. I came uh, actually. I, I left. We left Cuba with my with my parents uh, when I was sixteen. We lived in Spain for a year and then came to the to to, to the United States. Uh, I was seventeen and. Um, 
Uh, you know, we, we, we with my with my parents uh, at the beginning, we traveled a little bit around, and uh, and and then the years passed, and we didn't travel much. But um, one day, my brother-in-law decided to rent an RV to visit the family. The, the you know road trip from Miami to Atlanta. Um, for Thanksgiving, actually, and here, you know, there were a bunch of people that had a dog, so they rented an RV, and I'm like, when I saw the RV, I'm like, hmm, this sounds like a really cool way uh, to travel, and uh, a couple of years later, we rented one, and then we got hooked, and uh, eventually, exactly, actually, almost to the date, uh, six years ago, we decided to buy our first RV, which is a travel trailer, very similar to the one that I'm, that I'm, coming, that, that I'm talking to you from now. Amazing, amazing, and where are you right now? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, I've been on the road for a little over a month, and this is kind of like the beginning of the return trip. And actually, my wife is flying, flying on Friday, and uh, we're gonna do the part of the return trip together because, unfortunately, you know, I, I've had to do m- most of it by, by myself. We're out here, you know. I come from, you know, this is a cruise channel. Of course, my channel mm-hmm. is a little, little bit different. We go off the beaten path and do some crazy things that my listeners have. Uh, you could you could argue whether they enjoy it or they've learned to tolerate it, one or the other. But um, I, I do realize that as cruising is put to a halt, I do see two types of vacation styles that are more kind of, I guess, um, they're finding, I'll, I'll use the word kind of refugees, all the people who are kicked off of cruising, we can't go on cruise ships, we're looking for other types of vacations. And besides the whole just kind of like start to finish hotel beach, whatever. Uh, People are looking at all-inclusive vacations, and a lot of interest has been focused on RV travel. So with all Mm -hmm. the people out there that are trying to do this now, all the Johnny-come-latelys and you know, on paper, it would seem like this is the best time to try it. Um, Can you give us a little bit of a reality check? What is the first thing you're going to get punched in the face with when you think it's just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get the keys, turn the, make sure they got enough gas, couple of sandwiches, and let's hit the road. What are you going to get punched in the face with? What do we got to watch out for when we start this life? Hey, make sure you watch that movie RV with Robin Williams first, and then no, I'm just kidding. Okay, no, but you know, it, you know it's 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 like everything. You know, it's 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 not all like uh, that perfect Instagram travel. You know, you see all these van dwellers, you know, with all these amazing pictures uh, in in these remote locations, and um, you know, you have to realize that you're driving a, a large vehicle. You have to be beware of your surroundings. You know, uh, height restrictions, length restrictions and um, of course you have to have like a little I, I, I'm very disorganized so I don't have like a real checklist but at least have a mental checklist of all the stuff you have to do uh, once you once you get to your campsite and before you you, you live you know it's um, but um, for the most part aside from dumping the the undesirable stuff on the you know the black water tank uh, I, I pretty much like every other aspect of, of this lifestyle uh, Okay, um, I don't know. I don't know if that answer is no, your, no, it does. It exactly. does. So you're, you're, you're basically saying it's kind of close to as easy as it seems. You probably just have to. I, th- I I do see just you know I watch your channel, so I watch other people's channel. And by the way, let's let's get that off. Uh, let's put that out there off the top. Traveling Robert is really all you need to know, right? On YouTube, that's how they can find you. Yeah. On YouTube and it's the same the same thing on all the social networks you know uh, Twitter Instagram Facebook uh, traveling Robert American spelling with one L because then you know if you have uh, listeners from from other parts of the world uh, they they spell it with two L's yes but we do so yeah exactly so yeah speaking of YouTube you just painted a picture there of uh, 
I've seen plenty of YouTube videos of of drivers not necessarily knowing the clearance height on certain overpasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to be careful, like especially like I, when I, when I was driving to today, I was driving into into Salt Lake City after like two weeks in the in the like in really relatively remote areas, and uh, people don't realize when they see an RV and they cut you off and things like that, and and you know you don't have the same braking distance as you have with a car, especially you know when you're towing a trailer, and um, it's it's a different driving style you know you, you, you your speed limit is 65 miles per hour no matter what the actual speed limit is and that that kind of thing you i see and i see you mostly driving the two-piece and now forgive me i am a complete novice when it comes to this stuff so i do see you typically drive the your regular vehicle your personal vehicle and then you're mm-hmm. towing your what would you call it your rv um is that something yeah. that you prefer is that is what are the disadvantages and advantage or maybe or you could start at the top what, what are the different types you can do and and why do you choose that particular type uh, well, yeah. Let, let me let me start by the by the one that I have. I have a small travel trailer, and there are s- several types of RV. Of course, you have the Class A, which is like like a bus. You know, some of them look like you know motor coaches. You have the Class C, which is the one with the big bump uh, over the the cab over area, and that's the most common one, I think, of the motorized ones. Those two would be the motorized, and then you have the camper vans or Class B, as they call them, which is a miniature version of, of all that. And then you have the towables, which is you know you have a travel trailer like mine and then you have the gigantic like the one I have parked next door to me it's a toy hauler you know the guy has a motorcycle in the back and it's a it's a 45 foot huge thing and um, there are advantages of disadvantages I guess if you want to stay uh, put at the same place for three or four days to a week or even longer a towable is better because you drop the trailer and, and then you have your, your tow vehicle your truck or SUV to, to roam around the city or the area where you're staying and uh, uh, and actually, what I would prefer in the future is one of those, like a larger camper van that I could, because because I'm always like go go go. You know, it's it's rare that I'm I'm gonna stay here in Salt Lake City for five days. That is rare. I just have to get some work done and and uh, take a pause from the from the long trip. But um, I, I like the idea of being able to to park it like a, a, on a whim, you know, in the in downtown area or in, in a small town and then explore, you know. And when you're towing a, a trailer, you know, it's harder, you know, it's kind of hard to parallel park or or, or yeah. find somewhere, especially especially in the in the eastern half of the country, west of the Mississippi, you find more and more, you know, RV friendly places, and especially out here in Utah and uh, Idaho, you know, almost everywhere you you will find an oversized parking area but uh, in certain parts of the country it's, it's it becomes more difficult i got you all right so getting into the, the the meat and potatoes here so i discovered you when i was looking and i was thinking about like you know where am i gonna go what am i gonna do i can't work this is all everything is just a mess the quarantine the the the, the global mm-hmm. pandemic what are we doing here and i and i found you and i watched the west and i was like so enamored by it so I saw you, you. Can you just tell me about a couple of places that I saw? Maybe give me a couple of sentences. Then tell me if they're as cool as they seem. That bar in Arizona, that was in the <laughs> middle of the desert. Was that was that as awesome as it looked? Uh, yes, it is. It's it's it's, it's the, the thing is 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 the uniqueness of the place. And we're we're talking about the desert bar. I think it's called the Nelly Saloon. Yeah, it had the and live is, music, and you could climb all the way to the yeah, top and get the beautiful yeah, views. Yeah, it's it's in western Arizona, very close to the to the California border, actually in a town called Parker. And uh, you have to drive on this pretty bad dirt road for um, like seven miles. It takes you um, like half an hour or more. And it's this bar in the middle of nowhere. It, it's and it's completely off grid. You know the the 
their power comes from solar and they have massive batteries in the basement where, where they provide electricity for the whole place and uh, they have a life band and they have like a, a couple of food trucks there you know cooking hamburgers and and it's it is a full bar and uh, it's right there in the middle of nowhere it, it only opens in the winter months because in the summer it's that that's scorched earth out there yeah. and uh, only opens on Fridays and Sa on Saturdays and Sundays actually and um and it's a unique place, but like that, I've, I have found many unique places uh, uh, along the way, you know. Yeah, and it's just amazing to me how, um, it, it, and it was right off of I-10 too, right? Pretty close. Mm, that that bar, right, it's a little ways, it's just a little ways. Oh, uh, is from okay? I ten, I, once you get, I, I mean, all this comes from the, this town called Quartzite, which is uh, uh, at the junction of I-10 That was another US one I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about Quartzite yeah. too. That's like the, that's like the, yeah, the, the RV Mecca, right? That's the crossroads, the RV mecca. Like it's it's a rite of passage, I think, for every RVer to spend at least a, a, a couple of days. Some people spend the whole winter there, and uh, it, it, and the thing is, it's, it's a lot of um, a pu public land, a bureau of land management land that is out there, and you can stay for, for free. Well, no hookups, of course. You're comp you have to be completely autonomous for up to fourteen days, and then they have a longer stay areas. But what happens in Quartzite is uh, it's that mecca and this bar, the desert bar. It's about half an hour drive from Quartzsite, so a, a, lot, a lot of these RV-related uh, businesses, because let's, let's face it, that yeah. bar is 99% RVers that go visit it. Wow, okay. Um, it's uh, a, a, a lot of things in that area are geared towards the, the RVing community. You know, it's southern Arizona, in the Yuma area, Quartzsite, and a little further west in California as well. Okay. What and is this is about this is about an hour and a half west of Phoenix, just to put it on the map. That's it. I lived in Phoenix for about. I would have wish I would have known. I definitely would have went. But um, mm -hmm. what is what does yeah. boondocking mean? What is that? Well, boondocking. There are several different several definitions. Of course, the 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 the, the, the origin of the word comes from boondocks. You know, staying in the boondocks, like very, in a very remote place. Uh, you know, next to a mountain, a lake, somewhere out there. But a lot of people just uh, refer to boondocking as uh, being self-contained. You know, you you are using the the water that is in your holding tanks in your RV. Uh, and your uh, electricity comes either for, from a generator or from solar. In, in other words, you are not connected to any utilities. You're out there in the middle of the desert by yourself or, or, or with a bunch of people uh, next to you, but um, you are self-contained, completely self-sustained. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. And then, you know, mm -hmm. I did see you check into Quartzsite. And yes, I did see you interact with a couple of the other RV uh, people in the space or wherever. But I, w I was like enamored by that place. And it's a lot of unique people rolling through there. But just when I thought it couldn't get any more unique than that, you make your way to this place called Sleb City. <laughs> oh, yeah. What goes on over there? That's uh, Slab City. The, the 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 people who live there, and I actually I learned from Slab City from other RVers. They call it the last free place in America, and uh, it's just it used to be a military base that got demolished and uh, abandoned, and all that that is left is the is the the the, um, the foundations of all the buildings. Hence, Slab City is just the slabs of concrete. That's what is left uh, there, and. Um, it's it's in an area of California that I think California would like to forget that area is there is near the Salton Sea, which is uh, kind of a, like an environmental disaster. And uh, it's just an, a place there and people just, uh, uh, some of them are living in tents, some of them are uh, living in, uh, it's like a, I would call it almost like a shanty town, but it's it's this weird community of all different kinds of people. There are artists, you know, there are um 
you know some some people that that uh, you know haven't had a, a you know a, a bad luck in life i guess and that's the, the, their last resort to to, to live there but um yeah, it's 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 definitely a unique place, very interesting place that very few people know about, and uh, it's in the it's in the middle of the of the Coachella, just east of the Coachella Valley. It's crazy because it's like it seems like it's almost like the original autonomous zone. But, like but let me tell you something. Let me tell you, it's like a community. They have a library, they have a cafe, they have an internet cafe, they have a nightclub, like a, a, a like an amphitheater at night. You know, they have a band playing. You know, yes. it's it's very interesting. Uh, the, the the type of community. I don't know if it's for everybody. I I, I wouldn't want to spend the night because there's all kinds of people there. And, and but. Um, I don't know, but it's it's a, it's a very interesting, unique community for sure. I agree. You can absolutely tie the word unique to it. But when you do say library and coffee shops and things like that, I don't want to give people, you're not, you're not walking into Starbucks, right? You're not, this is not a, <laughs> these, uh, are, it's, these are, uh, everything, everything you'll see is going to be run down. It's kind of full of graffiti. It's, it's that kind of, you know, it's, um, I don't know if you call it a, a kind of a hippie, uh, um, vibe to it but it, it's it's not starbucks and uh, yeah. they do have internet but i'm sure it's low and uh, but every, everything is run through solar or generators you're also off grid there yeah uh, completely off grid yeah it's crazy because it's like you you got you went in and you checked it out and it was just like you just see the i mean people that are just i mean i don't know what the heck, they have the sun has to have something to do with it these people's you know there's not a whole lot of, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of ac going on there and the way they live and it, it just is. seems like they really they're, they're responsible for themselves i don't really see any police mm -hmm. cars patrolling through there it's completely on them it right no, believe it or not, they do, and and uh, if there's an emergency, the rescue will go there. From from the, there's a town like like five miles away called Nyland, and uh, and they do have certain law enforcement and uh, and like the fire service and those things, but uh, it doesn't feel that. Way. And this is the thing also in, in in recent years, certain parts of Slab City have become kind of touristy. They have this this um, it's like a hill. It's it's called Salvation Mountain, and it's all painted and it has a yes. big cross on the top and all this you know religious messaging you know like bible verses and stuff like that and that has become an art installation that that is kind of popular even when i went there i went there two years ago there were a lot of international tourists um also visiting the area so maybe it's it's uh, it's and then there's another art installation called east jesus that has a, a lot of pieces of art made out of junk basically you know reusable materials and those two those those two places have become kind of tourist attractions in slab city gotcha but then then what then once you get to the to the back of the of the of the community then you see like like all the people living back there it's a it's um it's unique. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's uni unique. Yeah. Let's call it unique. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So can you give, I know this is probably a hard question to answer, but can you give us like maybe a top three, top five of your favorite destinations along the way? It could be because you saw something beautiful. It's because it became activity or because of a meal or a drink you had. Can you give me like uh, for the people who are interested in maybe kind of joining into this life that are listening right now, what would you say are the top five places that's individual, doesn't necessarily have to be on the same run, but you know, just the top five, three or five. Do you have do you have them off the top of your head? Uh, I could come up with five. Uh, if, if we're talking about a cross country road trip, which would be like, uh, and, and that was that dream road trip that I mean, I've, for 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 as far as back as I can remember, I wanted to to take that road trip, you know, coast to coast. And I think one of the, 
uh, there's beauty east of the Mississippi, but once you, you once you start getting into the into the west, and uh, and once you get there, you'll 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 know it. You know, it's 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 some some parts look like a like a different planet, and I'm really in love with the west. Yeah, there's beauty east of the Mississippi, and we can touch on some of those places. But once you hit the west, and uh, we're talking about once you you pass the the the, the prairies, the, the 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 let me get to the point, the Grand Canyon. That's uh, to me that's top one place that you have to visit if you go on a cross country road trip. And um, and it's right off you uh, uh, historic Route 66 in Arizona. It's just a, a short uh, a drive north, and um, it's one of those places that you may have seen pictures all your life, but um, nothing compares to standing there on the south rim at a mother point and looking into the vastness of this place. Now there there, there are many places along this route, and I would definitely. Uh, put in in that list of places the the California Sierra Nevada the Sierra Nevada and we're talking about uh, probably just uh, the area from Yosemite to the north the south to 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 the southern California area that those those mountains and there there are very few passes where you cross them and um, it, it's so beautiful so many beautiful lakes alpine lakes and and, and hiking trails Another area that I will put on the map uh, as part of this cross-country road trip, and it's close to the Grand Canyon, is this the, the area close to the Four Corners, you know, where Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona um, meet. And th there's so many different places, and that that's the area that you've seen in all the Western movies, you know. Uh, we're talking Monument Valley, Valley of the Gods, and uh, all the national parks in Utah. That oh, the, that whole area, it's amazing. And uh, of course, nothing compares to reaching the the Pacific Coast, and uh, and once you reach that Pacific Coast, I don't care if it is California, Oregon, or Washington, uh, you have to do at least a segment, I, especially California and Oregon of, of of that coast, and 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 drive. It's uh, it's one of the most uh, beautiful coastlines I've ever seen. I would imagine when you get there, you feel like okay, you know what? It's got to be a feel a great feeling of accomplishment. Like well, you've been driving so. I made it. I can't go anymore. You can't go anymore. <laughs> what you get? Yeah, there. it's it's, the, it's literally the end of the road. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great feeling of accomplishment. Absolutely. Have you and, done that um, drive yeah. from uh, L.A. to San Francisco? They say that uh, California Pacific Highway drive. I, I did that once a long time ago. I didn't have an RV yet, but 10 years ago. I've done the, the whole coast in segments, pretty much, uh, but um, ne never on, on one go. But um, that, that's one of the most beautiful ones, but one of the most underrated uh, ones would be the Oregon coast. Oh. Uh, that, that's another one that it's, uh, it's a must, I think. Yeah, I was blown away by some of the stuff that you posted in Utah with the drone and everything like that. It looks like some of those places, though, some of the national parks up in, I believe it was Utah. I forgot exactly what it, what it was called. Well, but. There's this place in Utah very close to the Arizona border. It's called uh, uh, Valley of the Gods. Okay. And uh, it's it's it has this this rock formations. The, the famous one is is called Monument Valley, but that's that's in Navajo Nation, and uh, and you have to ask for permissions to stay overnight and that kind of thing. But uh, Valley of the Gods is Bureau of Land Management or BLM as, as we call them in, in the RV uh, community, and um, you know you can just stay there for a couple of nights, boondocking among the, these incredible rock formations, and um, and uh, yeah, it's. 
it, it's it's it looks like another planet. Let's it put really it that does. way. It really does. It does. And and you know what? You say that you you it doesn't do it justice with the pictures. But when you get going with that drone, you have a great eye, and you know the perspectives and the angles that you put forward. <clears> you know, I, I I feel it. You know what I mean? Probably nowhere near where it actually is, but it definitely makes me want to you know <laughs> hop in a hop in an RV but, and do it. Well, the drone on video, it kind of gives you a different perspective better than a picture. A picture doesn't have depth, but when you see in video and the, you see the, the camera moving, you know, you get that parallax effect and you got, actually kind of get an idea of the actual depth of the, the place that you're looking at. And uh, yeah, the, those those places. And I, I was just recently, if I may segue into this, I, I was just recently in Glacier National Park up in in uh, Montana and uh, that's another place you know it's, 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 it's uh, some of those places that that uh, are, are in, in, incredible you know the, the beauty of the mountains and uh, and the valleys and the, the waterfalls it's uh, yeah. it's there, certainly a different way to travel from from what what your podcast is about which is the the, the, the cruising See, of yeah. course now, let me ask you this. Okay, we touched on some of the best spots. Now, can you give me, okay, if I can maybe distinguish what I'm talking about here. So you talked about some of the best individual spots, but let's say someone's trying out, try, wants to try it out. They got an RV. They got a full tank of gas. They're ready to go. They have seven days. They're fully stocked. They got everything they need. Is there a particular route that you would say to go, whether it's a numbered highway or whatever it is, that they should do if they have seven days there and back that they should travel thra- travel to through. Well, we, we we have a huge country here, so we first you have to figure out where where you are <laughs> living from. Yeah, right? I was gonna say it, like maybe because it, it, if you're some- in Virginia, there's no way you're going to to California <laughs> in a week. Right, so right. it really depends. Um, um, let's say let, let's say let's say St. Louis. You're in St. Louis. Once you get to St. Louis. Where what's the best route? Okay, St. Louis. Uh, where from from St. Louis, you can go southeast to the to the Smoky Mountains. That 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 would be a, that would be like a day drive, and that's a, a, those mountains. Uh, whether you are in Tennessee, North Carolina, North Georgia, um, I'm I'm trying to put St. Louis on the map here. Actually, give it's me a second like here. To, so, the West see, is, I, I, yeah. I I I know where it is, yeah. but sometimes I have to orientate myself. Here. I gotcha. Because uh, um, in fact, I was just in St. Louis, Missouri itself. Okay, in Missouri, if you that that, that whole area of southern Missouri, the Ozarks, um, that you, you could you could do a a, a whole uh, a, a whole week in that area. The, the, there's this area called uh, the National um, National Scenic Riverways. And and there's a bunch of places in that area. And if you have a uh, a boat, or you can rent a boat, you can rent jet skis. And uh, and there's a lot of beauty in that area. Of course, you have the Mississippi River. You have the um, all the. I'm a fan of Mark Twain. So if you if you if you go along the Mississippi River, you also have a lot of uh, um, Mark Twain historical sites like uh, like Hannibal, which is uh, where he took inspiration for for many of his books. And um, and uh, that that's that will be from St. Louis, of course. Uh, I'm I'm trying to look here. Uh, yeah, in St. Louis, since you're smack in the middle of the country, it, going to the coast is going to be a, a little far away, and going to the west is still a little far away. Okay, so you're a little so, bit too uh, far out to be able to kind of experience some of the like you yeah, said. Yeah, but like no, the- you 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 can experience a week is not a long time. 
you know, I mean, you could you could go up to the to to uh, to the Wisconsin, which is an area that I'm not yet all that familiar with. But uh, you know, as as much as I've traveled, you know, I, I'm 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 st- you, you have Michigan, the Upper Peninsula. Uh, they, those are areas that you could go to absolutely. I, I guess what uh, I was I was talking about the West pretty much, but I guess my question is, what is it kind of like a, a route? Is there like a is it just get on Route 66 and just go, or is it like maybe like any anywhere? All right, so let's just pick any condense it into seven days. Okay, what is the okay, best let, quick let, condensed let, run? Let, let, let's let's do at least ten days. Okay, let's do at least ten days. <laughs> all right. 10 days fine. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for, if you want to visit the West from St. Louis, you're like, you, you could make it in two days to Denver, Colorado, and then you have the mountains and, uh, and, you can spend a couple of days in Denver. You can sp- spend a couple of days up in the mountains. You can, you can go to, uh, there are so many high peaks and so many high passes. And if you do it with an RV, there's a lot of free camping up there. You know, sometimes just on the side of the road. There are several apps that you can down- download. The best one, in my opinion, is one called All States. Unfortunately, it's only iPhone. So if you have Android, it doesn't work on Android. You said there's all, a website. All States? All, all stays. Okay. Like, uh, as, as in staying in a place. Stay, all, all stays. All stays. All, all stays. Okay. Camp on RV. And, uh, and of course, there's a website that is free. It's called freecampsites.net and the freecampsites.net. And it shows a, a lot of places where you can stay. And, uh, and from there, if you have the time, just drive I-70 west. Boom. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Got drive I-70 west. And you, you'll, you'll go through all the, all the mountain passes. And, and then all of a sudden, once you reach Grand Junction, you realize that you're in a different place. You know, the, the, the Rockies are these mountains. Uh, I guess they're so tall that they actually kind of divide the country. It, it's a whole different world east of the Rockies and then west of the Rockies. You, you see all these orange sandstone formations. Um, the, the further you go west from Grand Junction, by the time you get to Moab, you are in the desert in this area that is absolutely fantastic. From there, I would go south, actually, and uh, until you reach I-40, and uh, from I-40, you can return through Albuquerque and uh, and Amarillo, Texas. And I-40 kind of parallels uh, Route 66. In this area, there's no Route 66 okay. anymore. I, they, they pretty much built I-40 on top of it. But there are some pullouts that say historic Route 66. And, and um, from Albuquerque all the way to Amarillo and, uh, and into Oklahoma City, you, you can do a little bit of, uh, of that Route 66 uh, uh, and by by then your ten days are over, so you need to uh, rush back to St. Louis through yeah. Route 66, actually, because <laughs> yeah. because Route 66 kind of goes uh, through that way, Tulsa, Springfield, uh, 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 going into St. Louis. Okay. So that 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 would be a good ten day itinerary, I think. I I know what you're talking about when you say the change happens because I I did a cross country trip with my friend and we were rotating, you know, driving versus passenger, and we're we're going through Texas. And anybody who does this will tell you Texas is brutal. Just getting through Texas, it's it's crazy. But we, I didn't realize what I had never been to the desert. I had never seen those rock formations and that type of thing. But and that's what happened. We switched. I was driving up until San Antonio, and then we switched in Mm -hmm. San Antonio. He took the wheel. I fell asleep for about two hours. What I woke up to, I was not prepared for. Yeah, no, and, and and in that part of Texas, as you're going west on I-10, it's very gradual. You know, like it's kind of rolling hills, and every hill that you that you go over, it's a little less vegetation and a little yeah. more deserty. And all of a sudden, you start seeing like uh, these mesas and buttes in the distance, and you're like, oh, now we made it. Yep, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. What else? So, what's uh, this? Is another tough question. You've done so much. What's next? What is, what's on the bucket list for traveling, Robert? 
Oh man, I, 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 this year I wanted to go to Alaska, of course, because of COVID that kind of got canceled uh, because uh, the, the border is uh, is closed except for very essential travel. So um, I've been to Alaska, but I've never been with an RV and I would love, love to spend uh, a, a few weeks uh, up in Alaska with the RV because it, it, it's in, in, the, in the summer, of course, but because it is, a, it is a, a state made for RVing. I mean, there's so many remote places that you can visit and the, the beauty is uh, it's incredible. Um, and that's, that, that's that's probably the bucket list and and then I want to give a little more love to the northeast because uh, uh, eventually I want to go back to Maine and uh, and Vermont New Hampshire that area in the fall if if at all possible so those are the two the two kind of bucket list uh, locations that I that I have left gotcha another good segue so you're in Alaska you want to go to Alaska you've been to Alaska one of the most popular ways to cruise to see Alaska and my deep in my deep dive with traveling Robert when I started watching a lot of your videos I went back to the beginning and I couldn't help but notice sir that your first couple of videos were about cruising weren't they uh, well, yes, that was uh, we, we took a cruise. Actually, it's, it's the last time I <laughs> was ever on a cruise, believe it or not. But yeah, we did a we did a, a, one of those Western Caribbean cruises, and um, and a little little known fact: my first job, my second job, actually was in the at the port of Miami. Uh, so I, I was very familiar with the, with the cruises, and I actually worked at a cruise ship uh, as a DJ for a couple of weeks. Really? So yeah. It's amazing. So you've been away a little bit while, but you got to come. You got to. You got to. You probably know, but what they've done with some of these ships nowadays. I mean, these Oasis class ships from Royal Caribbean. It's out of control. Yeah, I haven't been in one of those those like the the mega ships of late, but yeah, it's like it's it's incredible that uh, they have that. It's like a city in the middle, you know the the yeah the park and the back, boardwalk. Back, back in the back in the day, the interior cabins used to be the bad ones, but now those interior cabins have balconies looking overlooking that <laughs> the area in the middle. So it's like crazy. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted to give a mention before I get you out of here. I just wanted to mention too that you know I think part of the appeal to what you do, you know, you have a you seem very polished as far as your your voice goes and the way you deliver it seems like you know i don't know if you've you clearly have the music background so we didn't really touch on that but i was watching your video and i'm listening to the audio and i'm listening to the score and the background music and i'm like i'll be damned if that's not him singing that song and i'm like and i didn't know i just kind of was able to tell and i gotta tell you my friend Kay, i live with her and i'll just be starting to cook dinner and then she'll just hear me she'll be on the couch and i'll just be and i'll just while i'm cooking i'll be like Right in, right. I just it just breaks. It's so catchy. I think it's important to let the listeners know that you write your music, and not only do you record certain yes, songs, do. that's your score too. You're like scoring the music too, right? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, when when I came up with that song, I had no idea it would become so so catchy. You know, it was r- right after one of my RVing trips, the the one that we did in the Four Corners region. Um, before we had an RV, that was uh, on a rental. That was the trip that that actually uh, you know tipped us over the edge to buy an R- buy an RV. And yeah, I do I do all the music. Um, Mainly, I mean, I'm a musician, so I have the capability of doing it, and uh, and I, I don't want to deal with co- copyright issues in the in the future, you know, using someone else's music. So that 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 was also a, you know, something that that pushed me to to start composing music. 
and uh, at the beginning it was the first the same five songs you know over and over <laughs> in all the videos but over the years now I have over 30 different tunes that you know it depends um, uh, of the on the mood that I want to set in the video uh, I, I use a different uh, tune I have to say it really adds man. it really adds to, I mean it's like if you're not it's if it's not enough that you're taking drone shots and driving through the RV and giving the whole actual experience and and showing us these beautiful pictures of remote locations and then you're actually uh putting all that great music on top of it too it's it's a real uh, i mean i'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's it's a it's a it's a treasure it really really is what you do out there and i'm really happy to say that i've gotten a couple of emails from my listeners actually thanking me for like putting you know them on to you so uh I appreciate you coming on the show, and um, uh, I guess maybe one more question. What, what, do you have any parting advice, any quick, I guess maybe a 30-second, you know, maybe slice of advice to anybody, what they should think of and what they should prepare for if they want to kind of decide to jump into this RV life? Uh, I would rent one first, and I know that they they can be a little bit expensive to rent one, but it's it's not for everybody. Let's just face it. You know, I, I, some some people say that RV stands for ruins vacations. So try it once. <laughs> yeah, for real. You try it once. You might fall in love with it and never catch a plane ever a, again in your life. On, on if there's a road to the place you want to go to, or you may not like it. So rent one. Uh, go for a week. Uh, go to one of these beautiful places around the country and uh, and if you like it I, I might see you buying one soon <laughs> do you hear what they do you hear what they say about cruisers Robert uh, no what do they say they say uh, cruising the vacation for the overfed and nearly dead <laughs> well overfed for sure I've been to some of those buffets and yeah yeah <laughs> listen you, gotta, you know it seems sounds like you gotta have you know, we all have a good sense of humor about listen uh, that's what I say one of the first things I say about cruising people say why should I take it well maybe you shouldn't it's not for everybody that's it you know I, I like I like the way they pamper you and all that I just wish they would stay longer at the at the different ports of calls that that's my only gripe with cruising <laughs> I get it I get it totally totally well I really really appreciate you coming on it was an absolute pleasure to have you for a couple of minutes and uh, you know good luck with uh, your future trips thank you thank you I appreciate it thank you for having me of course alright I want to give another big shout out and a thank you to Traveling Robert appreciate you coming on hopefully we will do that again alright let's get into a couple other topics before we talk about the email so I wanted to mention this cruise I guess corporation called Genting Cruises. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them they are not any they don't operate anywhere near us but they do They're a parent company, and they have three cruises as subsidiaries. Now, it's Dream Cruises. That's kind of their, uh, I guess, Asian mainstream line. The ships would mostly be considered comparable to a lot of the Norwegians and the Royal Caribbeans out there. They're actually doing some crazy stuff out there on those cruise ships. Some of the newer ships are big ships, like 200,000 gross tons. That's the Global Dream. They also have Star Cruises, and they're a small boat operation. They have four ships, and then they have another cruise line that you've heard of, which is probably which is Crystal Cruises, which is an ultra luxury brand. They have two ships. They have a bunch of other ships in like river cruising and expedition cruising, but for ocean cruising, it is Crystal Serenity and Crystal Symphony. Now, I bring up this company Genting for one reason. It's because what a lot of times it's a window as to what you know a company this big is going to have some sort of uh, I guess maybe a gives you provides you with a compass as to how the industry is doing you know what I mean 
it's a bit of like a, a measuring stick, you might say. And they're having major liquidity problems. And back in July, what they did was tell all their creditors, you ready for this one? They decided that we were going to say, hey, we can't pay you. <laughs> so they stopped paying everybody. Their accounts payable division, for the most part, was shut down. Now, the reason they did this was actually, I guess you might be able to consider it sort of, um, you know, justifiable because of the fact that they were like, you know, we don't want to pick and choose right now. We don't want to say this creditor is more important than this one and start picking and choosing. And then all of a sudden this guy's getting paid, but then this one isn't. So what we're going to do right now is shut down all payments to everybody. And then we're going to set up meetings with each creditor to try to straighten this mess out. Now, okay. Okay, not ideal, but if you're in this type of situation, and it's understandable that you are, because there is an industry-wide shutdown that's, uh, you know, pretty much global, so they want to set up a bunch of meetings to straighten this out, while in the meantime, they establish as much liquidity as possible. So one of the first moves they made, now this Genting Group, they have a bunch of assets, like most companies. Uh, one of them was a nightclub organization called Zook. And uh, that they sold to a Malaysian group for $14 million. Now, in the grand scheme of things, $14 million doesn't seem like a lot of money. But I guess that's in this point, uh, in this, this, uh, you know, during these conditions, everything helps. So they sold that nightclub to a Malaysian company called Tulipa. And uh, this is a bit of an interesting move. It was an inside move because this Tulipa company is owned by a gentleman named Mr. Lim Kyung Hui. And this guy sat, so the person they sold this nightclub to actually sat on the Genting Hong Kong board as of last week. And the plot thickens. He happens to be the son of Genting Hong Kong's controlling shareholder. So in that regard, it kind of looks like from, you know, from a bird's eye view that they sort of sold this to themselves or maybe he kind of even transferred it to some at least somebody else in the family guy sold it to his son so clearly we're dealing with some back channel stuff here i i agree i assume it's completely legal but obviously a move to try to stop the bleeding however insignificant it is and it looks like they are grasping at straws paper straws of course ladies and gentlemen in any attempt to like i said create some liquidity uh recently they did release some more details regarding just how bad things are. Now, the overall revenue for Genting, and again, I'm bringing this up because it's a large cruise line that's overseas, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen to Carnival at all or Royal Caribbean or Norwegian. I'm just saying it gives a little bit of an indication as to what the state of the industry is in, at least in a faraway market. So the revenue is down 70%, and I mean, that's you know, and we're talking about for the first half of the year. I guess why only 70 and not 100? I guess because they were allowed to operate up until March, I would say. And recently, some of their ships have been able to sail over the last couple of weeks. Uh, th- that is, uh, they're down $742 million for the first half of 2020 when you compare it to their numbers for 2019. Now, again, during times of prosperity, we're not talking about the little cruise line that could here. This is a big deal. These guys went crazy recently. As you see, uh, they, they they put a theme park on board. I think it was the Global Dream. They broke the record. Carnival comes out and says, we're going to put a roller coaster on board a cruise ship. 
Genting comes in with Global Dream and says, okay, we're going to put a, a whole theme park and a roller coaster that's longer. They basically broke the record, Carnival's record, for the longest roller coaster at sea. Uh, currently, they are in debt to the tune of $3.3 billion. Uh, and at the end of June, they reported that they have about $400 million in cash on hand. Now, I don't do math so good, but that puts them in a bit of a hole, you know, by my calculations. And remember, with relatively no cash, little to no cash coming in, they still think they can survive for 12 months. It sounds like it'll take some creativity to make that happen, but we will see. That's what a lot of the cruise lines have been saying as they all kind of realize that the, let's put it mildly and say that their income, their revenue has shifted a lot heavily into the negative, but they're all kind of saying, they're all kind of putting that 12-month I guess, I guess date, I guess the twelve-month expectation as to how long that they can, they think they can operate without getting revenue. But again, the good news is that Genting Dream has already started. Now they're confident that there is interest from other firms because again, what they're trying to do is establish liquidity by any means necessary. They think there that other firms are interested in investing in the company, which they are looking for. They're also confident that debtors will continue to work with them and allow them to restructure payments of contracts, and they will continue to pursue actual bank loans through bonds or whatever else. They do have a $200,000 gross ton ship that is supposed to be under construction right now, but that's been on hold due to the company's decision to stop paying all the creditors, which is, I guess you'd say that's understandable, right? Another expedition ship was being built for Crystal Cruises, but that's also on hold for the same reason. Explorer Dream, as we talked about before, is currently sailing domestic cruises in Taiwan, and it's at about half capacity. Um, Also, the Chinese Ministry of Transportation did approve the resumption of cruises to nowhere. Originally, what they were saying was they wanted to get back into the game, but they said the home ports of these cruises that they were going to allow to come back into play and the ships all needed to be from China. Now, Dream Cruises under that would not qualify because their ships are flagged in the Bahamas, but the problem was is that no Chinese company with Chinese-flagged ships came forward, so the ministry changed up their tune, and they extended that opportunity to Dream Cruises. I guess they figure, all right, well, at least they're a Chinese company, despite the fact that their ships are flagged in the Bahamas. So despite some like a few rays of hope here and there, the company looks like it's completely reeling. They look like they are in the dogfight of their lives. But you know, let's talk about uh, getting subsidiary Crystal Cruises. You guys probably have heard of Crystal Cruises. These guys are one of the most well-known brands in ultra-luxury cruising. And uh, it's quite often the first name that comes up when you're talking about ultra-lux cruising. In a statement, their company said... Quote, it's important to understand that the company is not going out of business. Whatever options our parent company pursues, it will allow Crystal to operate its business. End quote. So I don't know. Could this be a bold statement of reassurance backed up by a determined company? Or is it simply what they have to say during these times? I'm not sure, but it sounds like they were. Uh, there were there were many complaints about Crystal being late issuing refunds to guests who canceled cruises 
due to COVID-19. And you could understand why guests of Crystal would cancel. This is a line that skews much higher in age demographic than many of the other cruise lines that are out there. And the company blames it on the fact that the, you know, the, when you have this many cancellations at once, this is an us, unprecedented number of cancellations uh, that, that they're going to have to, I guess, get in queue and wait their turn because the computer systems or the manpower, whatever you want to blame it on, is overwhelmed. And it's just a matter of processing these returns. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. That's what they're going to say. And again, if you are a subsidiary of a company like like they say, how can they come out unequivocally and say, we are not going out of business? I guess there's no risk in saying that because, all right, if you do, then you're out of business. What does it matter? But, you know, you're a subsidiary. So how are you going to basically say if you get sold or whatever, you know, you are at the, you're beholden to, beholden to whatever the new owners of the company say, or if the company completely disbands, you can go out on your own. I don't know. I don't know what grounds they have for saying that they guarantee that we're not going out of business, no matter what happens with Genting. But that's their story, and they seem to be sticking to it. Crystal has shut down operations until early January of 2021, and I do give them credit for that because you have all these cruise lines, you know, doing a piecework a month here, a month there, November 1st, August 1st. It's like, okay, we're just waiting for the hammer to drop till they say, you know, as of right now, if things go the way they've been going, we're going to hear an announcement any day says that says Clea has voluntarily paused operations or extended their pause in operations until December 1st. You know what I mean? Until that stops happening, we just have to assume it will again, I guess, right? But who knows? All right, so when a 25-year-old Carnival cruise ship heads to Curacao, it's bad news. And then when that same 25-year-old cruise ship leaves Curacao, and starts heading across the Atlantic Ocean towards Turkey? It's really bad news. Carnival Imagination is going to join her sisters, uh, Carnival Fantasy, and I believe Carnival Inspiration, if I'm not mistaken. All these Asians. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, sadly enough, it seems like the Carnival Imagination is going to be uh, scrapped. And this is not good news. We don't like hearing this uh, as ships seem to drop like flies lately all across the world. They're just not, it just doesn't make much sense to kind of continually, I guess, keep them up and put them in cold layup when you know, I think that's the main thing as to why they're not just leaving them in cold layup is that because even when cruising returns to service, it's going to be partial. And of course, these older ships are going to be the ones that are left out in the cold. If you can only sail four or five ships, you're going to pick the four or five newest and best ships, or at least the ships that can make you the most profit. These 25-year-old smaller ships you know, that are kind of like a charming but sort of relics in the industry they're not going to make you they're not going to give you your best bang for your buck so how long are you going to let it sit around pay a crew to kind of man it and pay whatever other fees and fuel you have to pay and onboard food everything everything that's associated with just maintaining a cruise ship and keeping it afloat you know it's just becoming not worth it now this is probably a move that was probably going to happen anyway you had to think carnival has a lot of cruise ships These fantasy class ships are old. They were probably going to do this in the next four or five years anyway. So while these cruise lines and while the cruising industry is on hold, you know what? Let's uh, get rid of a few of these older fantasy class ships. But yeah, Carnival Imagination is the newest casualty, apparently. And you know that process. They they, they cruise out across the Atlantic Ocean and they, they anchor. 
slightly off the coast of Turkey, uh, right where the shipyard is, where the scrapyard is. And then they kind of set their plans together, and a pilot from the scrapyard will board the ship. And what they do is they get on board, and they floor it, and they take this gorgeous, you know, multi, multi-million dollar cruise ship and run it aground to the beach. And then that's where the uh, deconstruction and ultimately uh, scrapping and ideally recycling process begins. And that's it. Carnival imagination. Um, so many memories. I think all of these cruise ships, when they get, I guess, retired and ultimately scrapped, I think that they should be celebrated, you know, to a lot of us, Carnival Imagination is just another Carnival ship. Just like I know Carnival Splendor is just another Carnival ship. But that's where somebody got proposed to. That's where somebody celebrated their 50th anniversary, their 75th anniversary. That's where somebody, you know, had their honeymoon. There are so many memories made on these ships, and you can't help but think about it. If you got married or had your honeymoon on the Carnival Imagination 20 years ago, and you're hearing this news, that's going to affect you in some way. That, I don't care what you say. That's going to, it's going to, you know, it's bittersweet. I'm sure it's not going to affect your marriage. Everybody's going to be okay, but it's going to leave a little, it's going to leave a little bit of a mark there. So I think we should all just kind of like, uh, I don't want to put a moment of silence together for an inanimate object, but, you know, give some thought and, you know, have, have carnival imagination, carnival fantasy. More importantly, the people who have celebrated those memories on those ships in your hearts and in your minds tonight or any night or whatever day, night, noon. After you eat lunch, whatever. I don't care. What do you want me to tell you? It's 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 a little it's uh it's it's an emotional moment. That's all I got for you. All right, Bahama Paradise Cruise Line. I mean, what is going on over there? <laughs> I love these little guys, man. I mean, you gotta give them credit. Let's let's talk about Bahama Paradise Cruise Line. They were a one ship operation and this ship was a real battle tank. I mean, this ship that they used to have would look like a it it looked like a cargo ship. And they would just sail back and forth to the Bahamas, and they would basically try to sell timeshares on board. And uh, when they told you it was all you can eat, it was basically like uh, cut up sandwiches, <laughs> maybe some ice cream. And it was probably the and they called you like six times a day. If you didn't get if you didn't get called from a Bahama Paradise cruise line six times a day about five six years ago, you were irrelevant. More than that, I should say. I guess this was early, maybe uh, between 2010 and 2013, maybe. I'm guessing. I'm not sure. So then what happened to that old battle axe of a ship? It ran aground and sunk, right? So you're thinking, okay, these guys were barely hanging on by a thread to begin with, and now they lost their ship? No. They come roaring back. I don't know how they did it. I don't ask any questions. Okay, I'm not asking them questions, but they somehow showed up one day to the Port of Palm Beach with an old retired carnival ship called the Carnival Celebration. They turned it into the Grand Celebration, made it their cruise line. You know, what do you got to do to a carnival ship? It's just that funnel, right? They put a coat of black paint on the funnel. It sits there just the way it is. They just put some black paint on it and away they go. And now they have a legitimate cruise ship. Almost. I'll say almost because it kind of almost is. But I enjoyed it. I was on that ship. And, you know, again, you manage your expectations. They actually had a a full buffet. They had a main dining room. They had entertainment. And uh, the ship was actually a real cruise ship, if nothing else. And then what do they do? You know, all right, well, let's go. Give them credit for trying. Let's see if they make it. Not only do they make it, they buy another cruise ship. 
And then they start doing relief efforts to the Bahamas. They start doing all sorts of great stuff. And, you know, I don't know the level of profitability that they're at because I do know that they are cheap. And I do know when I sailed on their newest ship, I sailed on both of their ships. So I sailed on their newer ship, which is the, um, uh, it's an old Costa ship, the Grand uh, Classica. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, it wasn't at capacity. It wasn't nearly at full capacity. So I don't know what their numbers look like. But here's what they did do. They tried to get cute. You know, we all know that maritime law or the law in which the, sh- the, the governing body where the ship is flagged is very, very different from American labor laws. We know that. And we also know that there's not a whole lot of protection, or at least that's the perception as we see it, for these employees of the cruise lines. And in a story that backs that up, what had happened was that the industry shutdown happened and then the policy of Bahama Paradise Cruise Line was to tell these people that they will not be getting paid for a month because of the shutdown. Now, that was at a time when they thought everything was going to come back into service within a month or so. So the decision, the brilliant decision was made to say, hey, nobody's getting paid, all right? Or at least the people who weren't working on the ship. The people who did have to continuously uh, provide for the functions of the ship to exist were getting paid. But then you had other non-essential crew that were only needed if there were guests on board. So those people would be able to continue to live on the ship. So they made them sign waivers or they made them sign contracts saying that they agreed to work (laughs) for no pay. Now, the argument, I guess, on Bahama Paradise side is that, well... You're getting food and you're getting room and board. So maybe that could be considered pay. I don't think the I don't think I don't think the powers that be look at it like that. They also said so they that continued and they said, all right, you know, once uh, w- once we get back, we'll pay, we'll give you your back pay and we'll stop paying you again. Problem is, we didn't come back. The extension happened again. So now they continued to be in the same situation and desperation started to set in. So when they realized that morale was at an all-time low, the CEO of the company boarded the ship and made an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, when we resume cruising by July 24th, you're going to start getting paid again. And every one of you, I am going to give you $1,000. All right, so that's good. They're going to give everybody 1000 bucks. That's a G. That's like a stimulus package or whatever. And it... um. I'm sure it helped. It would have helped. But the extension continued again, and nobody got paid. So the money did not come through. Nobody did get the $1,000, and it started to get a little crazy. These people couldn't get off. Now, the problem was they couldn't just let people off the ship because there were these crazy laws in place that forced you, understandably, to fly out private charter of a private flight out which is you know who's paying for that or your other option was to uh, go through the whole quarantine process but the problem was is that the cruise line would have been held accountable if the passenger crew member or whatever what have you didn't comply yet at the same time having no i guess um authority to force them to so that was a little bit of an impossible situation the cruise line was in i do understand that you know how are you going to say all right we're going to guarantee this person does all the things that they're supposed to do uh under the threat of penalty of law but once he gets off the ship how are we supposed to make sure he does that 
You know what I mean? So, or he or she does that. So that's that's it. So that's what happened with them. So then after a while, a casino employee stepped in, lawyered up, and sued the Bahama Paradise Cruise Line. And uh, after a few weeks of negotiation, uh, settlement was reached. $875 million? No, 1000 Sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big difference there. $875,000 was awarded to the crew. And basically, what are you talking about? You're talking about three hundred and seventy-five, approximately, give or take, 375 employees that uh, are going to be splitting that money. Now, it's not... A hundred percent yet. It does have to get approved by a federal judge in Miami, but I've been through this type of thing. <laughs> and the judge is usually happy to have this thing resolved. As long as it looks fair and the broad strokes make sense, he's gonna approve that. I should say he or she. I do apologize. But uh that's pretty much it. That's what's going on this week. So without further ado, let's get into your emails. Ladies and gentlemen, your emails have become a lifeblood of the show. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you to send me an email, tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. You probably have a question. You might have a comment. You may have a suggestion. You might have a correction. Any of those things are more than welcome. Send them to Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Again, I always say it. I will read whatever happens. I mean, we had a run there. I understand it right now. There's a lot of people that are dialed out because of cruising. You know, not everybody's a cruise enthusiast as a lot of us are. And, you know, when cruising shuts down, you kind of tune it out. When it comes back, we'll be back. I get it. The numbers are still good. I'm very, very pleased with the amount of people that still listen to the show. But as far as being engaged and talking about cruises and asking questions about ships, I do understand while that kind of maybe a little bit um, fall by the wayside on as far as other people's list of priorities. But we do have a couple, and I did solicit. I'm not going to lie to you. What are we going to lie to each other out here today? Yeah, it was a little light with the emails, so I solicited, and a few people came through. Let's get into it. Here we go, Tommy. So I figured maybe we could do some friendly competition that you could be the moderator of. Yeah, good luck. I think this is Scott. Scott, you know what I got going on? I'm going to be trying to put these shows out every week with a Patreon every day and a full-time 70-hour-a-week restaurant job. Yeah, life is about to change for me pretty quickly. And uh, I don't know what I could be moderating. But I know you would probably step in and help out, right? Or somebody maybe can. Let's, let's hear what your idea is. As you know, I have this thought that it might be not far-fetched that MSC might be the first one to sail from a U.S. port because their their far successful status in the Mediterranean. I have an idea for a friendly competition, though. For simplicity's sake, we can keep it to the big three, though. Here are the objectives. As we all know, we may be getting close, close to knowing when the U.S. cruises will resume. I'd like to hear your evidence on that, Scott. What are your sources? What do you know that I don't know that's going to tell us when the, the, the what steps have been taken? I know you said it to me in a, in a text message, but I believed you used the word just a hunch. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, no disrespect. I will keep the rules simple for the sake of finding a winner. Let's all guess the first cruise that will go out. I will not suggest doing a cruise that is already on a particular line line's website, as none of those will be going 
to actual itineraries. So you get really nine tries at this one. It's hard, so everyone deserves nine tries. This is a homework assignment and will take some time to work out in your head. Whoever wins gets an ABB shirt and hat. Um, I've never seen an ABB hat. Uh, I'm sure they. I'm sure they would look very nice. We could put them together. Not bad. So you submit one guest for each of the big three. Some submit one guest for each of the month of November, December, and January. Include a three-day date range for departure. Include the class of ships per line, not the actual ship, just the class. None of us know what ships will actually be utilized. Include how many days for the cruise and what you think the ports of call will be. Tommy can decide whether we do this publicly on Facebook or emailed to him. Here is an example of what... Uh, of here's an example that will serve as my November submission for the contest. Royal Caribbean Oasis class ship thinking about social distancing November 20th to 23rd departure out of South Florida okay so you can do the region you don't even have to pick the port. Seven nights uh, one day one at sea day two Labadee Haiti day three Cozumel day five uh, day four I'm sorry Scott is guessing the days and where he thinks uh, he thinks this is going to be a Thanksgiving cruise. Carnival Dream class ship, November 22 to 25, departure out of South Florida, five nights. So all right, I can't read all these right now because this is Scott is basically putting in his submissions for the cruise line, the cruise ship, the dates, the departure region, I guess, the amount of nights and the ports of call on each ship. This is pretty specific. Scott, I like this game. It's definitely a cool game and a cool idea. I would participate in this. I'm not sitting here lying to you right now. I don't think I would have the bandwidth in my mind right now to kind of orchestrate and kind of monitor and maintain and judge this whole thing right now. Now, I do like the idea, though. I think this is a cool idea. When you're talking about not being able to cruise and you're talking about not being able to go on vacation, it's shit like this that's cool, like a little fun little game like this that can kind of keep the time moving until we are able to cruise again. Scott, I got an idea, too, and it's kind of similar to this. Now, for the last three years, I've been trying to think of a way to incorporate fantasy football or fantasy sports and combine it with cruising. And I really haven't, but I think I've come up with the closest thing possible so far yet. Scott, listen to me on this one. All right, I like your idea, and I have no problem doing this. But we can do fantasy football with cruising. And the only way to do it is kind of combining the theory of the box for Super Bowls, or some people call it squares, squares or boxes for Super Bowl, because it's a game of chance. And now we have to ultimately realize that this fantasy football thing will be a game of chance. So what you do is you assign a cruise line, Royal Caribbean, Carnival, and Norwegian. So let's say Carnival is quarterbacks. Norwegian is wide receivers. Royal Caribbean is running backs. And then maybe you want to go Disney is tight ends, whatever. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm getting at. And then you pick a cruise ship. Okay, so the draft, on draft day, we get together, 8, 10, 12 of us. And what we're doing is simply picking cruise ships. Maybe it's cruise ships we like. Maybe it's cruise ships we sail on. Maybe it's cruise ships we just think they can. So basically, if you're picking Carnival, you know you're picking a running back. 
Now, the total game of chance comes in is because prior to this, we will take every cruise ship in every one of those fleets and attach a football player's name to them. So if you pick the Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas, you just say you want that and you're guessing and you're hoping that it's a good player. And you'll grab that and you'll turn it over and you'll see it'll be Demarcus Russell. Oh, cool. I got a good one. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you know what? I need a quarterback. All right, that means I got to go to Carnival. Let me pick uh, Carnival Dream. Turn it over. It's Tom Brady. So you're not really getting the benefit of being able to research and kind of like flex your skills and your knowledge, but it's still a kind of a cool game of chance, right? Let me know what you think about that. Now I'm telling you right now, I can't organize it. I can't do it. I don't have the time to be able to do it. But if anybody's listening and they think that sounds kind of cool, Let's talk and maybe we'll get into it because I'll participate. I'll definitely get into that. If anybody wants to do that, let me know. But Scott, I do like your idea too regarding guessing when we will return to service. If we, if somebody wants to take them on, I would do both. Why not? All right, let's move it on. Thank you for the email, Scott. Scott is the man and big shout out to Scott because he, he is joining us on June 4th on a celebrity cruise nine days out of New York. All right, fine, Sandra. It's New Jersey. But it's New York, the New York market, to a nine-day cruise to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, the exotics, Char- the exotic Charleston, South Carolina, and two overnights in Bermuda, which where we get three full days. Cannot wait. First celebrity experience, first non-Cuba overnight experience, first multiple night over experience, and first Bermuda experience. So we're breaking ground with this one, baby. Already got the approval from the job I didn't start yet. Already got the approval. It's happening. Tommy, I have a very important question for my first cruise when we finally get back. Which is the proper drink for a day-to-night drinking? Grey Goose and soda or Tito's and soda? Does it depend on if we listen to ABB cruise radio, ABB or cruise radio more? Inquiring minds want to know. Okay, that's from Paul Ewing. Paul Ewing, you know what you're doing. This doesn't make sense. I only said that like that because it rhymes. Okay, Paul Ewing, you know what you're doing. We had a we had a we had a bartender. His name was Peter Ryan, and yes, he was a coxman. Okay, he was a good-looking kid, blonde hair. I mean, this guy was a sniper. Like you know those guys, and I don't, I don't love them. I don't like those types of guys. Listen, I enjoy the company of a female just as much as anybody. But you know, some people they're just laser focused, and that's it. They're going in. I remember this is. <laughs> I was I went to Pittsburgh with him. I was running a place called Turtle Bay, and uh, we were all friends there. You know what I mean. And I was going to Pittsburgh the next day. Why? Because I still oversaw the McFadden's and the Calico Jacks in Pittsburgh, which were two giant establishments in the shadow of Heinz Field and PNC Park, respectively. So a Saturday night, I had to, right after work, get on a train, right after work at, yes, five in the morning, get on a train, uh, I'm sorry, a bus, and go to Pittsburgh and handle a few days of, uh, I guess, supervision in Pittsburgh. So that's what I was doing. So... At 5.30 in the morning, we're counting the money. I say, hey, anybody want to go to Pittsburgh with me? I'm leaving right now. Uh, no, it was a train, actually. Yes, it was a train. It was an Amtrak. Peter Ryan decided that uh, he just said, yeah, I'll go. I'm like, Peter, you, Peter Ryan, you've been drinking since 1 in the afternoon today. Now you want to get on a train with me and you want to go to uh, Pittsburgh? He's like, yes, I do. 
So we did. And we got on that train and we went and we hung out. We had a great time. We went to a baseball game, enjoyed ourselves. Ended up back at the apartment of my event coordinator. Her name is Sarah. And she had her sister over. So it was me, Peter Ryan, Sarah, the event coordinator, and her sister. Sarah, the event coordinator, I've been good friends with, brother-sister relationship for a long time, employee-boss relationship, that type of thing. No creepiness whatsoever. Sister was the sister. Also an employee, 21 years old, young, nice girl, pretty girl, not, no lines crossed ever, you know, nothing like that. But now Peter Ryan's in the mix, and the four of us are hanging out. And uh, the two girls, after maybe another hour and a half of drinking some beers and maybe, I don't know, having some snacks, the two girls decide that they're going to retire. Now, there's two couches in the living room for me and Peter Ryan to comfortably fall asleep on. These girls get up and go into their room and close the door. Me and Peter Ryan are left in the living room, look at each other for about 30 seconds, no words exchanged. And then Peter Ryan just looks at me and says, Well, I'm going in. Peter Ryan opened the door, walked into the room, and Peter Ryan never came out. (laughs) So I don't know what happened. I mean, I probably can. I don't know. I don't think uh, there was a menage a trois with with sisters that happened. But I do think, um, I don't know, maybe I think think he did have... uh, some level of success in that room. I think there was some level of success in that room. Maybe not the full-on, you know, dream scenario, but some level of success was was achieved. And uh, yes, she did have a boyfriend at the time, and uh, that was, uh, I guess, that was a little bit disloyal on 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 her point. But uh, that was it. That, a nickname was created. A nickname was created. I would be on the microphone at Turtle Bay. Peter Ryan would be on top of the bar. He'd be giving out shots. I'll be like, ladies and gentlemen, that's Peter Ryan. He'll take your girl without even trying. And uh, that's a long tangent for the purposes of just deciding why I just kind of said Paul Ewing. He knows what he's doing. Uh, I'm sure he's heard that before, too. Shout out to Paul. All right, to your question, Paul. Listen, uh, the proper drink for day-to-night drinking, I'm a Grey Goose guy. Tito's has become all the rage with the kids nowadays over the last five or six years. You know what I mean? People love Tito's. It's a good vodka at a good price and probably my number two. But I think you have to realize that, you know, everybody wants to order Tito's, but it's not a premium vodka. It's a call vodka. It's a good vodka. It's a solid vodka. It's got a cool name. Everybody's drinking it. It's in, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's the hot bottle. But to me, Grey Goose is just way more smooth. It's just a better drink. I noticed that I can drink more Grey Goose than I can Tito's. The the little belly ache that sets in to a lightweight like myself after nine or ten drinks sets in with Tito's. Grey Goose, it doesn't set in. That next day hangover is not nearly as bad with Grey Goose as it is with Tito's. I mean, it's there. You drink enough of anything, you're going to be hungover. But Tito's gets me a little bit. Tito's brings me to pain a little bit quicker than Grey Goose. So I'm going to go Grey Goose all day. Your next question, does it depend on if we listen to ABB or Cruise Radio more? Is that in association with the question you previously asked? Um, I'm not sure. I do think the Cruise Radio crowd would probably be more apt to Grey Goose. And maybe the always be booked crowd would kind of be down and dirty with the Tito's a little bit more. But yeah, if you're asking me for personal preference on my end, I'm going Grey Goose all day. 
Cheers, Paul Ewing. He knows what he's doing. Thank you, Paul, for the email. Paul stepped up. Scott and Paul stepped up when I did solicit these emails, so appreciate it, guys. Uh, Tommy, just wanted to make a suggestion for Bermuda. We rented Twizzies, which is an electric car. You can go to every beach and every location in that little car. You have to rent in advance, but in my opinion, well worth the money. You can stop at any bar, any restaurant, at every beach, and you are on your time, not a tour director's time. There are a few restaurants and some shopping at the port, but packed because the whole ship is there. You can take the ferry over to Hamilton and pick up the car. Then, when you return the car, just take the ferry back. There are plenty of places to charge the car, even several stations at the port. We had someone put our car on charge for us at the port. Since you will be there for three days, there is no rush to get back to your ship. Lots to explore, but it's not really the ship area. We used our phones for GPS and got around just fine. Well, that's some really, really good information. Uh, Charleston has many rooftop bars near the port. Oh, really? Okay. You hear that, Nicole Garby? Rooftop bar. She loves a rooftop bar, as do I. Many rooftop bars near the port that are pretty awesome. Have a great time, and if you need any more info, let me know. I will be glad to help. Enjoy your cruise. Cindy, Cindy, thank you so much. I will definitely probably be reaching out to you to find out some more information, but you've done so good so far. That's not the first time I heard about those Twizzies, the electric cars, and yes, I think that's the move. You know what I'm saying? Not that I want to be driving too much during those three days, but yeah, just to have the vehicle available during those times when I'm not drinking or we're not drinking would be very, very helpful, and it's really cool to find out that Charleston has so many rooftop bars because we're going to take full advantage of them, and shout out to Austin Maxwell and the Kanga Casemate crew who we are going to hold you accountable for that, young man. We're going to hopefully uh, get together with you guys and uh, let us old folks drink you youngsters under the table. That's right, I said it. (laughs) Tommy, so excited that you're going to Bermuda. I wanted to share a couple of things with you that I know the average person might not know. Okay, here we go. This is what we like. There's a ferry from the dockyard. (laughs) There's a ferry from the dockyard you can take over to St. George. In old times, when a woman would gossip, they would tie her... Wait, did I read this one already? I think I read this one already. I believe I did. I believe I read this one already. I'm going to read it again. You know, you could turn the show off right now if you'd like to. But I'm going to read this again. I do believe I've read this already, but we're going to do it again. I wanted to share a couple of things with you that I know the average person might not know. There's a ferry from the dockyard that you could take over to St. George in old times when a woman would gossip. Yeah, I did read this. I'm not going to read it again. That's it. I know for a fact I read it again. The gossip lady when they drowned her. (laughs) Or at least they dunk her in the water to make a thing. That's like the the old school version of waterboarding. Shout out to Scott and Kara Stevenson. I think that they, um, you know, in their recent vacation, I think they uh, went to a location that also did that practice. Can you imagine that was a practice back in the day? You know, women complaining nowadays. The feminists come out and yell at you about all the... I mean, ladies, look how far you've come. You used to get dunked in the water in a chair for the townspeople to see because you gossip too much. I do not condone that. We do not condone that here at Always Be Both. And we are so, so happy that society has evolved. So these types of ridiculous and inhumane things are not happening anymore. And I don't even think it should be should have been regulated uh, to just women, you know, men who gossip too much. Podcasters who ramble and go off topic and 
fill your minds with all these crazy tangents should also be put in a chair, locked down, and dunked the modern-day version of waterboarding for the townspeople to see. As an example, this could happen to you, too, if you gossip too much. I want to thank everybody for listening. You guys are the absolute best. Hit me up, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com. If you want an extra show every single day of the week and you want to be, I guess, on the scene, you want to be embedded in what it's like to open up a new bar and restaurant from the start, we're going to start that series in a couple of weeks on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash always be booked. It's $5 a month. Join. Cross the threshold into super conehood. Everybody who has done it has told me they feel different. Dare I say, uh, 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 from the coop, John Klaikowski, he told me that it was like he it was it was the best day or he reminded him of his wedding day. It was that it was that it had that much of an effect on him. You guys will feel that too. Instagram always be booked. Oh, by the way, YouTube guys, I got a video on YouTube. Uh, it's the last video I put up about when we're going to cruise again. It's this inspirational, cheesy montage of us just trying to stay focused and stay hyped for when cruising does come back. I would like for as many pairs of eyes to get on that as possible. Maybe we could share that. Always be booked on YouTube. And of course, I'm on Twitter. We have the merchandise. It's the most comfortable sweatshirt in cruising. The Always Be Booked hoodie. Check that out. You can find all that stuff at www.alwaysbebooked.com. You guys are the best. Boat drinks, cones. There's a place where the boat is from. It takes away... I love your big problems, you got worries, you could drive them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part set of a nine on tree And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot and I know this is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away I love your big problems, you got worries, you could drive them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Jimmy. Perfectly good island somewhere Well, all ride the boats and don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down down in the sand where it's cool Put me down And when I fall on my stool Put me down I'll just leave there till morning comes round With sunshine ten ladies And pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear That I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away all of your big problems. You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean, but you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from. So get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away all of your big problems. You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean, but you gotta get away to where the. 
to get away To where the boat leaves from It takes away I look at big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from